This is Tina Douglas, and you're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast with your host, my husband, Liam Douglas. Enjoy! Greetings, everybody. You're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Liam Douglas, and this is episode 198. So for today's episode, I'm doing the latest news and rumors from the big four camera rumor sites of Canon Rumors, Nikon Rumors, Fuji Rumors, and Sony Alpha Rumors. But first, I wanted to wish all of my listeners a happy Halloween and also remind you, if you haven't already, go back and check out episode 197, my interview with world-famous fine art landscape photographer Serge Ramelli. That is an absolutely fantastic episode that you do not want to miss uh, listening to, and you also don't want to miss out on his Zero to Pro bundle deal that you can find in the show notes for that episode. All right, so without further ado, we're going to head on over to Canon Rumors and see what they have for us for this week. And now, on with the show. First up, Adobe adds support for the Canon EOS R3 and more. Adobe has added the Canon EOS R3 RAW support in the latest update for Lightroom and Photoshop. Along with new camera support, Adobe has also added a ton of new features in the latest update. You can read all about it on the Lightroom blog at the accompanying link in the show notes for this episode. The Canon EOS R3 is scheduled to begin shipping on November 26, 2021. And there's also a link here where you can pre-order your own Canon EOS R3 if you've got the money to burn and want to get that new almost flagship camera. Next up, review Canon RF 16mm f2.8 STM by Christopher Frost. And there's an official YouTube video in the link in this article. One of my favorite lens reviewers, Christopher Frost, has completed his review of the brand new Canon RF 16mm f2.8 STM pancake lens. The review showcases all of the strengths and weaknesses of Canon's new $300 prime lens for the RF mount. Keep realistic expectations for this little lens. It is only $300 after all. Interestingly, you cannot turn off distortion correction in your EOS R body with this lens. Canon has decided to use the camera body to make up for optical weaknesses, which is probably just fine for most applications. The Canon RF 16mm f2.8 STM key features the first ultra-wide-angle fixed focal length RF lens, high image quality and bright fixed f2.8 maximum aperture, a stepping motor gear-type STM that provides smooth and quiet continuous autofocus during video recording, supremely lightweight and compact for an ultra-wide lens for full-frame cameras. Minimum focusing distance of 5.11 inches and a maximum magnification of 0.26 times. Control and focusing ring can directly adjust numerous settings. Fixed focal length of 16 millimeters and the lens type is a wide angle lens. And you can order the Canon RF 16 millimeter f2.8 STM for $299. 
Now, unfortunately, as I've mentioned in previous episodes, there are supply shortages. So a lot of these new lenses and camera bodies are short in quantity. And that's what happened to me. I actually ordered this lens a couple weeks ago from Adorama. At the time I placed the order, it said they had them in stock. But then my order never shipped. And when I checked the order status again a couple of days later, it now says it's on back order. So God only knows when I'll actually see this lens. Next up, Nikon officially announces the Nikon Z9, and it's a remarkable $5,499. Now, there is an official Nikon YouTube video in this article, which you can find in the show notes. Melville, New York, October 28th, 2021. Today, Nikon announced the Z9, the most advanced Z-series mirrorless camera to date. Powered by a completely new Nikon-developed 45.7-megapixel stacked CMOS sensor and next-generation X-Speed 7 image processing engine, the full-frame Z9 renders ultra-high-resolution images and offers unparalleled AF performance using a revolutionary new scene detection system built on deep learning technology. Additionally, the camera is capable of sustained Fast, continuous shooting bursts in in-camera 8K video recording for extended periods, truly blackout-free real-live visibility in the view t- viewfinder, and a sensor scan rate so fast that it completely eliminates the need for a traditional mechanical shutter. Quote, the Z9 is the complete package, offering an unprecedented balance of speed, resolution, reliability, and performance that will exceed expectations for any type of shoot including fast action sports, commercial fashion, low-light landscapes, and more, said Jay Venatter, Executive Vice President, Nikon, Inc. Quote, the Z9 looks to the future with innovations and features that give all types of imaging professionals and content creators the advantage when it matters most and the confidence to create in nearly any condition. And, of course, you can pre-order the Nikon Z9 at $5,499. Now, I did want to let you guys know, if you remember, in a previous episode last week, there was talk on the Nikon rumor site that this camera was going to blow the competition out of the water. It was going to be technologically superior to the Canon and the Sony mirrorless full-frame cameras. And just as I predicted, it is not. Don't get me wrong, this is a great camera, but it is not a game changer for Nikon. It does get them closer to catching up to Sony and Canon as far as technology, but it still falls short. And I just wanted to share that with you. I'm not knocking Nikon. I think they did a great thing here, and it's a good point or pivot in their existence to get things back on track and make their company more successful and more profitable again. So don't get me wrong, the camera is absolutely fantastic from what I've seen and read about it so far, the videos that I've watched and so on, but it is not an A1 or an R3 killer by any stretch of the imagination. Next up, Canon releases quarter three 2021 financials and lets us know that two more RF lenses are coming yet this year. Canon has released its financial report for quarter three of 2021. All things considered, Canon will be pretty close to achieving projected sales numbers with only a small drop to their sales projections due to the global chip shortage. It also looks like we'll see two more RF lenses, 
announced yet in 2021, according to Canon's presentation material. They are currently at 24 RF mount lenses, including the RF 5.2mm f2.8L dual fisheye lens. Imaging cameras, the camera market remains solid thanks to the strength of personal uh, consumption, particularly in Europe and the United States, and the launch of the new full-frame mirrorless cameras by each company stimulated the need for high-quality image expression. However, due to the global shortage of parts, the size of this year's market is now projected to be 5.9 million units, 100,000 units fewer than in our previous projection. Similarly, we expect our own unit sales to be 2.95 million units, 50,000 units fewer than in our previous projection. As for the third quarter, although one year has passed since the launch of the EOS R5 and R6, they continue to be strong selling models. As for our enhanced lineup of lenses, we exceeded our unit sales plans thanks to their synergy with camera bodies. We plan to increase our lens lineup to 26 within this year, including the RF 5.2mm f2.8L dual fisheye lens that we announced this month, our first lens designed specifically for capturing VR images. This lens, when mounted on the EOS R5, allows for the easy capture of 180-degree 3D VR images and is attracting attention as a product that extends the user's image expression to the area of VR. In November, the EOS R3 will be added to our lineup, and going forward, we will effectively introduce new camera bodies and lenses, strengthening the competitiveness of our products and maintaining high profitability. And you can read the entire results of their quarter three financials at the accompanying link, which you can find in the show notes for this episode. And last up from Canon Rumors for this week, the Canon EOS R1 is coming. Here are a few things to expect. While we wait for the Canon EOS R3 to begin shipping and witness a Nikon comeback with the exciting Z9, there are obviously questions now on how Canon will respond when the EOS R1, which is all but guaranteed to be coming in 2022. So when is the RS or the EOS R1 coming? I have been told we should expect the R1 to begin shipping in quarter four of 2022. An announcement may come as early as quarter three. Will the R1 have a global shutter? While this has been rumored in the past, it's sounding more and more like it won't. We're seeing sensor readout speeds that may be negating the need for a global shutter, and I expect the processing power in the R1 to be insane. Who will be the target market for the R1? Think of the Canon EOS R1 as a 5D series DSLR, a camera built for pretty much every situation. Quoting a source, quote, a jack of all trades and a master of none, except that it will be a master of everything. Has the design been finalized? Not yet. Feedback from the Canon EOS R3 will help finalize the specifications of the R1. Canon has really started to build higher-end products with tons of feedback from users over the last few years, and this will continue for the EOS R1 development. How many megapixels will the R1 have? I have seen a presentation slide talking about a camera above the R3. I will assume it's the R1, but it wasn't named. The presentation mentions that the camera will have a higher resolution than the EOS R5's 45 megapixels. The actual pixel, pixel count was not mentioned. 
One could say that such a camera could be the long-rumored EOS R5S, but I haven't heard anything about such a camera in a long time. Canon may feel that the market is fine with the 45 megapixels at the price point and that people want more are going to be willing to pay more. What about video features? As always, these are hard to come by. I think it's safe to say that it'll shoot 8K at various frame rates, but I can't give you any more detail other than that. How much will the Canon EOS R1 cost? More than the EOS R3, but I don't think we're going to see the return of $10,000 camera bodies. That's it for now. There are other bits of information that I'm trying to clarify, but with a product being that far out, it's hard to get anything concrete. I do expect information to ramp up a or in a month or two into 2022. So definitely some exciting rumors there. We know the R1 is coming. We have no idea what Canon's going to put in it. They could really max out this beast. Uh, like I said, when they announced the R3, they said that the R3 was definitely not their flagship body, although the R3 easily has the technology to be considered a flagship body. But we're going to have to wait and see what the announcement will be for the R1, and chances are it's not going to come until late in 2022, so we're just going to have to be patient for now. First up from Nikon, and here we go, the Nikon Z9 camera announcement and launch event. Now, this was a live presentation on October 28th. The Nikon Z9 and lenses pre-orders. You can pre-order the Nikon Z9 in the U.S. at Adorama, B&H, Amazon, Pulse Photo, Service Photo. In the EU at Calumet, uh, Netherlands, Calumet, Denmark, Photo Earnhardt, Denmark, Park Cameras UK, and Wex UK. And in Canada at Camera Canada. The Nikon 100 to 400 millimeter can be ordered at B&H, Adorama, Amazon, Park Cameras, Wex, Calumet, Photo Earnhardt, and Camera Canada. The Z Nikkor Z24 to 120 millimeters and all of the same retailers. And the Nikon FTZ adapter Mark II at all of the same retailers. The new Nikkor Z400 millimeter F2.8 TC VRS lens is already listed at B&H Photo, but pre-orders are not open as of yet. Given the current global part shortage and shipping issues, I expect the Nikon Z9 to be out of stock for a long time. Make sure you place a pre-order early, even if you are still not sure if you need one. You can always cancel the pre-order later. And that is it for that article, so we'll move on and see what else Nikon Rumors has for us this week. Next up, the new Nikon Nikkor Z400mm f2.8 TC VRS mirrorless lens for Z-mount development announcement. Today, Nikon officially announced the development of the Nikkor Z400mm f2.8 for the Z-mount. Nikon did not provide many details. This is all we have for now. The lens is not yet available for purchase. Quote, the Nikkor Z 400mm 2.8 TC VRS lens, the first Nikkor Z Super Telephoto Prime lens, belongs to the S line of Nikkor Z lenses, which pursues the ultimate and optical performance. The Nikon Z 400mm 2.8 realizes the rendering of realistic images by achieving beautiful bokeh and high resolution. It will feature a built-in 1.4x teleconverter and a new coating that delivers the highest anti-reflection performance in Nikkor history, providing superb operability in a design that is ideal also for video recording, 
The Nikkor Z 400mm will support the imaging expressions of professional photographers everywhere. End quote. So definitely some exciting news with this new 400mm f2.8 Nikkor Z lens in the S line. Next up, additional coverage, Nikkor Z 100-400mm f4.5-5.6 BRS lens and the Nikkor Z 24-120mm f4S lenses. Additional coverage in the new Nikkor lenses. Let's see, focal length at the maximum telephoto position becomes 560 millimeters with the Z teleconverter TC 1.4X and 800 millimeters with the Z teleconverter TC 2.0 times while maintaining high resolution. Multi-focusing system that utilizes two STMs or stepper motors enabling fast, precise, and quiet AF for both stills and video. Employs an optical vibration reduction that functions with an effect uh, equivalent to a shutter speed of 5.5 stops faster, which is the highest among Nikkor Z lenses. While lateral chromatic aberration is optically corrected, axial chromatic aberration is also significantly reduced via the adoption of the Super ED glass and ED glass elements, providing clear images across the entire frame from maximum aperture. Nikon's original nanocrystal coat and Arneo coat are both adopted to effectively reduce ghosting and flaring effects even in backlit situations. The highest mag maximum reproduction ratio of 0.38 times at the maximum telephoto position in its class, that lets users shoot subjects in large size. Employs inner balance technology, a first for Nikon models that reduces shifting of the center of gravity when zooming in from the wide angle position to the telephoto position. Shortens rotation angle of 80 degrees in its, uh, in its class for the zoom ring, enables users to rotate the zoom ring from the wide angle position to the telephoto position with just one motion without adjusting lens holding. A smooth and quiet control ring that realizes high operability. Also features a design giving consideration to video recording, including effectively reduced shifting of focus position when zooming in and out and the angle of view when adjusting focus. So, uh, superior dust and drip resistant capability, high reliability that comes from both robust and weather resistance, and excellent anti fouling performance via the deployment of fluorine coat are realized. Now, this is all about the 100 to 400 lens, just in case you missed that. And there are some interesting diagrams and photos included for the Nikkor Z24 to 120 f4s lens. Covering the telephoto range up to 120 millimeters, a wide variety of scenes can be handled with high optical performance across the entire zoom range for both stills and video. A minimum focus distance of 0.35 meters allows users to get closer to their subjects. Multi-focusing system that utilizes two STM stepper motors enabling fast, precise, and quiet AF operation for both stills and video. Effective compensation for chromatic aberration with the employment of three ED glass, one spherical ED, and three spherical lens elements in the optical system. Nikon's original nanocrystal coat and Arneo coat are both adopted to effectively reduce ghost and flaring effects even in backlit situations. A smooth and quiet control ring that realizes high operability features a design giving consideration to video recording, including effectively reducing shifting of a focus position when zooming in and out and the angle of view when adjusting focus.
Superior dust and drip resistance capabilities and excellent anti-fouling performance with the employment of a flooring coat are now realized. And that is all of the information on these two new lenses. Now they can uh, they can be pre-ordered, as I mentioned a moment ago, at the previous retailers. And you can find all of that information in the show notes. Next up, Nikon releases new NX Mobile Air smartphone app and NX Tether computer software. In addition to the Z9 and the accompanying lenses that I just talked about, and the FTZ2 adapter, today Nikon also announced a new NX Mobile Air smartphone app for uploading images taken with Nikon cameras coming November 24th. And NX Tether computer software for tethered shooting and remote camera control adjustments coming on November 4th. Here is the video presentation of the NX Mobile Air and the NX Tether starting at the 32.28 minute mark and additional information. And of course, this video is on the official Nikon YouTube channel. Uh, the new NX Mobile Air is an Android and iOS app that lets you tether a compatible Nikon camera to a compatible smartphone for in-the-moment FTP uploads over 4G or 5G cellular connections. Easily manage FTP server info, make simple photo edits, and enter IPTC data and add voice memos available as a free app with an optional subscription. The Nikon NX Mobile Air features workflow efficiency is increased with the automatic import of captured images to a smart device and automatic attachment of IPTC metadata. Information during image import, automatic upload to a pre-registered FTP server, and support for an auto-straighten function convenient during the automatic upload of images. Has the option to import only protected images within the camera to a smart device and upload to an FTP server. Imported images within the application can be selected manually for upload to an FTP server. The number of albums that can be created and the maximum number of images storable in each album are unlimited. Reliable and high-speed image import is possible via USB wired connection without setting adjustments on the camera side. Voice memos can be imported simultaneously with the image to the smart device. IPTC metadata information can be edited while playing the voice memo. IPTC metadata information can be added manually. Voice memos can be input for each IPTC metadata item, and images can be viewed and edited within the application. Supports the upload of images captured with a smart device or cameras of other brands to an FTP server. Features settings that are effective for preventing misoperation, such as screen lock during operation, as well as resend function in case of import error. IPTC metadata and FTP upload settings can be set for individual al uh, albums. Supported operating systems, Android 9 and later, iOS 14 and later. Supported cameras, Android, uh, the Z9, the Z7 II, the Z6 II, the Z50, the D6, and the D5 for iOS, the Z9 only. So a little bit of interesting information with this new software that Nikon has coming out to go with their new cameras Definitely exciting for those Nikon shooters out there, and I'm sure a lot of people will be looking forward to trying out those apps for themselves. Next up, Nikon Z9 Accessories. With the Z9, Nikon also announced several new accessories. The Nikon EN EL18D lithium-ion battery, 10.8 volts, 3300 milliamp hours, is available at Adorama, B&H, Park Camera, and Camera Canada. 
The Nikon EP-6A power connector at Adorama B&H and Park camera. The Nikon MH33 battery charger, also available at the same retailers. The Nikon BL7 battery chamber cover, available at Adorama and B&H. The Nikon DK33 rubber eye cup, available at Adorama and B&H. The Nikon EH6D AC adapter, also available at Adorama and B&H, along with the Nikon AN-DC24 strap. So a lot of new and exciting accessories to go along with their new Z9 flagship camera. Next up, Nikon Z9 and new lenses available for pre-order updated. The Nikon Z9 and lenses, lens pre-orders are now live at most retailers. Once again, in the U.S., Adorama, B&H, Amazon, Best Buy, Paul's Photo, Service Photo. In Europe, Calumet, Netherlands, Calumet DE, Photo Earnhardt DE, Park Cameras UK, and Wex UK. In Canada and Australia, Canada, Camera Canada and Camera Pro. My apologies there. Got a little bit tongue-tied. But some definitely, definitely some exciting pre-order news for the Nikon shooters. Next up, quick Sony A1 versus Nikon Z9 specifications comparison. Sony, Sony Attic posted this quick Sony A1 at $6,498 versus the Z9 at $5,497 specification comparison. The bodies are both mirrorless, lens mount, Sony FE and Nikon Z. The sensor type, full frame for both. Resolution, 50.1 meg, uh, effective megapixels for the Sony A1 and 45.7 for the Z9. Autofocus point, 759 for the Sony with 493 for the Nikon Z9. Image stabilization, yes, 5-axis for both. ISO range of 100 to 32,000 for the Sony and 64 to 25,600 for the Nikon. Frames per second, 30 frames both at full res. Shutter speed, 132 thousandths of a second to 30 seconds, the same for both. Type of display, both have touchscreen. Format display, 3 inches, 1.44 million dots on the Sony. 3.2 inches, 2.1 million dots on the Nikon. Uh, tiltable, yes, for both. Max sync speed, 1 400th electronic for the Sony, 1 200th electronic for the Nikon. EBF resolution for the Sony, 9.4 million dots. And for the Z9, 3.69 million dots. Video, 8K at 30p for both. Frame rates for 4K UHD, 120 for both. Weight, 737 grams body only for the Sony versus 1,160 grams body only for the Z9. Dimensions, 128.9 by 96.9 by 69.7 millimeters for the Sony, 149 by 195.5 by 90.5 millimeters for the Nikon Z9. AF sensitivity, minus 4 to plus 20 EV for the Sony and minus 8.5 to 20 EV for the Nikon. Storage is CF Express A SD times 2 for the Sony, CF Express B XQD times 2 for the Nikon. Operating temperature 32 to 104 degrees for the Sony and 14 to 104 degrees for the Nikon. And again, the price for the Sony A1 is $6,500 versus $5,500 for the Z9. 
And there's also images of both cameras side by side, so you can see the difference in size for yourself, which is fairly significant. Now, again, you got to remember, the Sony Alpha One does not have a built-in vertical grip. There is a battery grip you can buy for it, but by default, the camera is just a standard uh, size and shape body, so it doesn't have all of the size and bulkiness and the much bigger battery that the Z9 or the R3 from Canon sport. And last up from Nikon rumors for this week, Nikon D6 versus Nikon Z9 specifications comparison. And there's images of both the bodies side by side. The Nikon Z6 sells for 6,500 versus the Z9 uh, at 5,500 based on the information provided by Nikon, which is not always 100% accurate. All right, so if we go down here, uh, the price I mentioned a moment ago, type viewfinder photography, TTL phase detection, 105 focus points, all of which are cross-type sensor, and 15, which support F8 detection, performed by multi-cam 37K autofocus sensor module. Autofocus fine-tuning supported, live view, contrast detect AF available at all points in the frame. Focus point selected by camera when face detection or subject tracking is used. Now, that's for the D6. For the Z9, electronic shutter with electronic sound and sensor shield. Lens mount, Nikon F mount with AF coupling and AF contacts. Z mount, of course, for the Z9. Image sensor format are both FX. Image sensor type are both CMOS. Sensor size, 35.9 millimeters by 23.9 for the D6. 35.9 by 23.9 for the Z9. Total pixels, the D6 has 21.33 million, where the Z9 has 52.37 million. Dust reduction system, image sensor cleaning, image dust off reference data, capture NXD software required. For the Z9, image sensor cleaning, image dust off reference data requires NX Studio. Effective pixels, 20.8 million for the D6 and 45.7 million for the Z9. File format, uh, MOV and MPEG-4 for video, same with both cameras. Uh, the picture control system is pretty much the same between both cameras. Media, CF Express Type B and XQD memory cards for the D6 and CF Express XQD for the Z9. Uh, let's see here. Most of the rest of the stuff isn't super, super important, but there you go. You got your comparison between the D9 or the D6 and the Z9 camera. Now, at this point, I'm going to go ahead and take a short break and then we'll continue on with Fuji rumors for this week. We hope you're enjoying this edition of the Liam Photography Podcast. The best way to support the show is to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else that you get your podcasts. If you want to leave comments or suggestions for future episodes, you can call or text the show at area code 470-294-8191, and you can email the show at liam at liamphotographypodcast.com. You can find the show notes and links at liamphotographypodcast.com, and you can tweet the show at liamphotoatl using the hashtag. Hashtag Liam Photo Podcast. And now back to the show. And we're back. First up from Fuji Rumors for this week, the Samyang 12mm F2 AF for Fujifilm X mount officially announced and first hands-on reviews. 
Sam Yang has just launched their first autofocus lens for, lens for the Fujifilm X mount, the AF 12mm F2. Uh, let's see, you can pre-order the lens at B&H Photo, Amazon US, and Adorama. Uh, and key features, wide-angle captures depth and color with Fujifilm X-Series cameras, excellent resolution in all areas of the image, outstanding usability with lighter weight and compact size. Down below, you'll find the product description, some charts, the compatibility list, and a link to Samyang's 12mm F2 product page. Also, you'll find a first hands-on review and sample images on their YouTube channel, so you can check that out for yourself. Uh, definitely some exciting news. I've used some Samyang lenses. I've actually got a couple of them right now for the RF mount, and I absolutely love them. They are fantastic lenses. Next up, say big on Capture 122 with pre-upgrade campaign. There won't be better deals coming. You can now save 20% plus an additional 10% savings if you pre-upgrade to Capture 122, 20% discount Capture 1 plus additional 10% discount by using coupon code FUJIRUMORS. Capture One wrote me, quote, this will be the best opportunity to upgrade to Capture 122. We will not have a bigger discount. Upgrade your current Capture One version at the accompanying link. Capture One All Products, you can save 10% with code FUJIRUMORS. You can still also use the older code AMBFR. Note that this will be the best deal to upgrade to Capture One 22. Capture One will not have a bigger discount. If you grab this deal, you will not get access to Capture One 21. Capture One 22 will be released in December. The deal is available only for existing perpetual license holders, those on Capture One Pro uh, or tw uh, branded 21 and older. I remind you that Capture 122 will, among others, bring two new and long-awaited features, panorama stitching and HDR merging. Also, Capture One for iPad will be coming in 2022, which is definitely exciting. I've been hoping for a version of Capture One for the iPad because I absolutely love their software for processing my GFX 50R images. Next up, the Fujifilm GFX 100S in low stock at Adorama. A limited number of the GFX 100S cameras is now in stock at Adorama. So far, they always sold out rapidly and stores struggle to get back to stock. So if you want one, it might be better to grab it now. As a happy owner of the GFX 100S myself, I can only say that if you, if and when you press the shutter button, all you want is the best possible image quality, then look no further than the 100S that will surely satisfy you. I only miss the XT alike dials on it, which is why I am stunned, blown away, and sincerely admire the GFX 100S, but I can't love it the same way I love my XT4 and XE3. The situation looks much better for the Fujifilm GFX 50S2, which is available pretty much everywhere. You can buy the GFX 100S at B&H Photo, Amazon US, Adorama, Focus Camera, and Moment, the GFX 50S Mark II at the same retailers. You can also get the GF35-70, F45-56 at all of the same retailers. So... Yeah, they keep rubbing it in with the 100S. I wish I had the money to get mine, but I really don't at this time, which is quite a bit of a bummer. I really, really want that camera pretty badly. 
Next up, forget Black Friday. This is your best deal upgrade to Capture 122. Um, I'm not going to read this full article because it's basically the same thing that I read a moment ago. I'm not sure why he had this in here twice on the Fuji Rumor site, so I apologize for the duplication there. Next up, notice of release date for the Fujidon GF35-70, F45-56 WR, and the Fujifilm X-T30 Mark II. Dear customers, we'd like to express our sincere gratitude for con your continued patronage of Fujifilm products. The release date of the Fujinon lens, the GF35-70, which was announced as scheduled to be released in November 2021, has been decided and we will inform you below. You can pre-order the 35-70 at B&H Photo, Amazon US, Adorama, Focus Camera, and Moment, and the X-T32 at the same retailers. Uh, so yeah. So there you go. You can pre-order. Now, the Fujinon GF35-70 release date is supposed to be Tuesday, November 30th. And the release date for the Fujifilm X-T32 body-only silver is Thursday, November 25th. And with the kit, uh, the XC15-45 lens in silver also available on November 25th. So keep that in mind if you're planning to pull the trigger on either of those items. Now, as I mentioned before, I do want the 35 to 70 lens for my 50R, and hopefully someday I'll also use it on my 100S if I can ever afford one, but I'm gonna wait for Fuji to do their first discount on the lens after it's readily available on the market. I'm hoping like their 50 millimeter lens, which runs the same price that uh, two or three times a year, they'll cut the price in half and I can pick it up for $500. But Again, we'll have to wait and see. Next up, you can now pre-order the new Samyang AF 12mm f2.0 for Fujifilm X-Mount. The lens is available for $499. You can pre-order it at B&H Photo, Amazon US, and Adorama. And like I said before, that looks like it's going to be a very popular lens. Uh, Samyang has been doing some great stuff. And I have a feeling that 12 millimeter lens for the X mount is going to be absolutely fantastic. Next up, this sport photographer tested the XF 33 millimeter F 1.4, changed one autofocus tracking setting, and suddenly got 90% plus tack sharp images. You can watch the uh, this YouTube video on his official YouTube channel. Sports sports photographer Andre. Uh, Samini sent me his video review of the brand new Fujinon uh, XF 33mm F1.4 RLMWR lens. The review is in Italian, but I think you can do a better job than the automatic Google translation tool in bringing it to you in English. And yet, if you simply can't tolerate my English skills, of course, you can use Google option instead. Down below is a summary of the part where he talks about the autofocus tracking performance, as I think it contains an interesting tip. Okay, the reason why I highlighted this review in a dedicated article is because of his test of the autofocus. Sure, the XF33 F1.4 has a linear motor, which technically allows for very fast and precise autofocus. However, a stellar lens needs a stellar camera with proper settings. Otherwise, you won't get the best results possible. The gear he used are, of course, the Fujinon XF35 coupled with this Fujifilm Fuji X-T3. Test scenario one, biker suddenly appearing and jumping landing up the hill. Two, biker suddenly appearing from behind the photographer and taking a sharp turn. Three, biker riding towards the camera. 
Since in the first scenario, the bike was suddenly appearing from behind a hill, he picked the autofocus setting suddenly appearing su uh, subjects. Makes sense, right? Well, sadly, when used at 1.4, the results were average. Not to say disappointing, stop down at f2.8, though he got 10 out of 10 sharp images. But he insisted and wanted to get better performance also at 1.4, so he switched to the one setting that, in his experience, works usually best in every situation, which is ignore obstacles. Well, with this simple change in the camera, he was able to get 10 out of 12 shots, uh, 12 images tack sharp and in focus. Using the same settings in the one second scenario, or in the second scenario, he got 11 out of 12 images tack sharp with one slightly out of focus, all shot at f1.4. Great results also in the last scenario. So guys, in case you don't know which setting to go for, just set it to ignore obstacles. I'll do the same on my camera from now on. Conclusions, absurd sharpness already at f1.4, excellent flare control and creates interesting and pleasing sun stars, also good close focus performance, amazing optical performance, but also the older XF35 1.4 is a great lens. The 33 1.4 is superior in autofocus and has weather sealing, getting consistently 90% plus of images in focus at f1.4 of athletes suddenly appearing in the frame is amazing. He was expecting a hit rate of about 50%. The old XF35 gets maybe 2 out of 11 or 12 images in focus. He felt totally relaxed knowing he will get home with good, sharp images, and he recommends buy the XF33mm f1.4 RLMWR over the XF35. You can pre-order and stock check at B&H Photo, Amazon US, Adorama Focus Camera, and Moment for the 33mm f1.4, the 23mm 1.4 at the same retailers, the X-T3 WW at B&H Photo, Amazon US, and Adorama, and the X-T32 at B&H Photo, Amazon US, Adorama Focus Camera, and Moment. Next up, ePhotoZine Fujinon XF 27mm f2.8 RWR review. Quote, credits to Fuji's design team's superb performance in a compact package. As a longtime owner of the original XF 27mm f2.8, which I have sold to get the new version with the aperture ring, I have always admired how good of a lens Fujifilm was able to make in such a small package. This is why I was very happy when my sources told me about the optical formula, formula of the new XF27 2.8 will remain the same as the old version. The only thing I always wanted was an aperture ring, and when Fujifilm finally made it come true, I remember how on the first day the lockdown was lifted, I jumped in my car and drove straight to the camera store where I was able to grab the very last available sample of this lens, and it has never come back in stock since. For me, it's a truly enjoyable lens to use, and the 40mm equivalent focal length is the sweet spot for me. A bit wider than my XF35 1.4, which I find useful at times, but also a bit more compressed look over my XF23 1.4, a true workhorse at a recent wedding I shot. It now lives its life glued on the XE3. And to everyone having one of these on pre-order, be patient. You'll be rewarded with a little but awesome performer that is a pure joy to use. And just to confirm how good of a lens this is, look at what ePhotoZine wrote in their latest Fujinon XF27 review and check out the customer reviews for yourself. 4.7 out of 5 stars at B&H Photo, 4.5 on Amazon US, and 4.6 
at Adorama. So it looks like this one is going to be a super popular lens. Fujifilm has created a lens that is a credit to their design team, a superb performance and compact package with an aperture ring and weather sealing thrown in as well. Add to that faultless handling, beautiful results, and a really useful focal length, and we definitely have a winner. There is no shake reduction, of course, so that will have to rely on anything available in camera, and there is an aperture ring lock that could be usefully modified. But really, these are minor things compared to the considerable strengths of the lens. Basically, a great lens at the right price and an editor's choice. Pros, excellent CA control, low distortion, modest vignetting, light and compact, aperture ring provided, virtually no flare, weather resistance, fairly priced, and smooth bokeh. The only con is no shake reduction. And you can read the full review at ePhotoZine at the accompanying link in the show notes. So go on and head on over there and check out that full review for yourself if you're interested in that particular lens. Next up, answering top six questions issues about upgrading to Capture 122. I am receiving a lot of emails asking basically all the same questions regarding the huge pre-upgrade discount on Capture 122. Upgrade your current Capture One version here, save 20% plus an additional 10% with code Fuji Rumors. So here is a post to address the questions and issues. And if I get this question in the future, I will simply link to this article. Will there be a better deal in the future, maybe during Black Friday? No. This is what Capture One wrote me. This will be the best opportunity to upgrade to Capture One 22. We will not have a bigger discount at any time. So upgrade now to grab the best deal. I've paid for the pre-upgrade and suddenly my current Capture One version 21 or earlier stopped working. After purchasing the pre-upgrade offer for Capture One 22, the customer's previous license key will be deactivated and they'll receive a new license key. The next time Capture One software is open, the customer will need to enter the new license key in order to continue having access to their current version of Capture One. When Capture One 22 is released in December, the customer will need to download the new version and enter the same key they received when purchasing the pre-upgrade offer. Three, I am on Capture 112 or older, paid for the pre-upgrade to Capture 122, but don't have access to Capture 121. The previous promotion was not so big like this one, but it gave you access to Capture 121 with a free upgrade to 22. This promotion, though, allows you to save money on Capture 122, but you have no access to Capture 121. You will have to stick with your current version until Capture 122 is out sometime in December. When is this offer ending? The offer will end November 9th, but keep in mind it's European time, so depending on your time zone, it could be early to very early morning on the 9th of November or late night if you're in Asia. Capture 122 will bring HDR merging and panorama stitching, but will there be more? Capture 122 will also include many under-the-hood improvements and optimizations with more features to come during the 2022 calendar year. Will the Capture One for iPad version coming in 2022 be included in this upgrade? Nope, it will be launched separately from Capture One 22. So there are all of those questions that have been answered by the good gentleman that runs Fuji Rumors. And last up for Fuji Rumors for this week, Panasonic unveils a 35 megapixel organic Super 35 CMOS sensor with global shutter in great dynamic range. 
The organic sensor has reached a mythical status. In fact, eight years after the joint Panasonic and Fujifilm announcement where the organic sensor was first unveiled to the masses with great optimism and claims of glorious performances and dynamic range, we haven't seen anything coming to the market except for a camcorder prototype shown by Panasonic back in 2019. Probably, like many of you, I just stopped hoping that such a sensor would ever see the light of day. And yet today, we have to add another chapter to the organic sensor novel. In fact, Panasonic has just announced the first 4K, 8K, Super 35 global shutter organic CMOS sensor during the fourth 4K, 8K video technology exhibition. Here are Panasonic's claims. These are Google translated. Replaces the silicone photodiode that has been used as the light receiving part of a conventional CMOS sensor with an organic thin film that has a larger light absorption coefficient. Wide dynamic range and global shutter and a general back illuminated CMOS sensor. If a high resolution wide dynamic range are realized, a global shutter cannot be installed. And if a global shutter is installed, the resolution and dynamic range are reduced, which is a trade-off. The organic CMOS sensor has a dynamic range four times that of a general CMOS sensor. The global shutter also adjusts voltage applied to the organic thin film to control the photoelectric conversion efficiency. Technological development for practical use is making great progress. Color reproduction is high. As the next generation technology for organic CMOS sensors, there is an ultra WDR technology in which two sensitivity detection cells, a high sensitivity and a high saturation, are provided in one pixel. With this, the dynamic range can be 100 times that of an, or, uh, of an organic sensor and 400 times that of a general CMOS sensor. While we knew about all the dynamic range claims in the global shutter already, today we got a bit more insights on how it works, and especially one sentence revved my hopes all this year. Quote, technological development for practical use is making great progress. So let's hope that we will soon see the first camera with such a sensor and that they will be able to sort out the main problems with this sensor, heat generation and battery drain. Will this be the sensor of the Fujifilm X-H2? I don't know, but I don't think so. Maybe it will initially find its way into larger bodies of camcorders, which can handle heat generation better. And at a later stage, maybe also mirrorless cameras will feature this sensor. So I guess for now, we'll just have to sit back and wait and see if it comes to fruition. That wraps up everything from Fuji rumors. And now we're gonna head on over to Sony Alpha rumors. All right, and first up from Sony Alpha Rumors for this week, Samyang teases the launch of one updated 50mm f1.4 AF lens. Back in 2016, Samyang launched their first FE autofocus lenses. They were the 14 2.8 and the 51.4. Today, they launched this teaser for an early November announcement. It says this lens is reborn of the first Samyang AF. From the silhouette, this surely looks like a new version of their 50mm f1.4 FE lens. The event is supposed to run from November 4th through November 10th. So I guess we'll have to wait and see if they are releasing a 50mm 1.4 Mark II for the FE mount. Next up, now available for pre-order of B&H Monster Adapter KAKE1 Pentax K lens to Sony E adapter. You can pre-order this for $439 at B&H. Uh, 
If you own K-mount lenses, you can finally use them with full autofocus control on Sony cameras using this new adapter, which, as I mentioned a moment ago, is on sale at B&H Photo. So you can swing on by there and pick one up for yourself if you have K-mount lenses that you've been wanting to use on a Sony full-frame body. Next up, the Sony 70 to 200 millimeter GM2 lens size comparison. This lens can be pre-ordered for $2,798 at B&H Photo, Amazon, Adorama, Bydig, Focus Camera in Europe at Photocotch, DE, Calumet, DE, Wex UK, and Park UK. At camera size, you can compare the size of new lenses with other zooms. As you can see, the new GM2 is a tiny bit shorter and slimmer than the older version. Still a lot bigger than the Tamron 70 to 180, though. And you can see all three lenses mounted on a Sony body. So quite a bit of difference there. Well, which should be exciting for those of you that are looking to pick up this new generation of the 70 to 200 f2.8. Hey, smaller and if possible lighter is always a good thing, especially in an f2.8 throughout lens. So, ha, run on over there and order one if you've been waiting to get one. You want to do it quickly. Next up, the Tamron 35 to 150, reviewed by Matt Granger and Chris Turner. Now, this lens can be pre-ordered to B&H Photo for $18.99. Uh, the new Tamron 35 to 150 will start shipping out this week, uh, a week of October 29th, at B&H Photo, Adorama, Photo Koch DE, Photo Earnhardt DE, Wex UK, and Park UK. Matt Granger posted this review of the lens on his official YouTube channel, and here is Chris Turner's review also included on his official YouTube channel, so you can check out both of those videos for yourself and see if maybe that's a lens you want to pick up. Next up, the Sigma 18-50 f2.8 E lens reviews from YouTubers. Now, this lens can be ordered at B&H Photo, pre-ordered for $549. Uh, you can get it at B&H Photo, Adorama, Focus Camera, Photo Koch DE, Photo Earnhardt DA, Wex UK, and Park UK. And there are quite a number of YouTube videos here where different YouTubers review this lens and give their opinion on it. So there's lots of videos there that you can check out for yourself. And as always, you can find all of this in the show notes for this episode. Next up, surprise, the Sony A7S III actually has a 48 megapixel quad bear sensor. Uh, let's see, landing field... Uh, yeah, recently got an A7S III damaged from a laser light show. After removing the sensor cover glass, they inspected the pixels under a uh, 50 times microscope. Quote, it turns out this sensor has a 2x2 two two binning design. This means IMX510 actually has a 48-point megapixel native resolution. The RGGB bear pattern is spread across a 4x4 four four grid. After sensor readout, the four pixels in each of the same color are then combined digitally to give one pixel before sending out to the SLVSEC interface. This could explain the increase in read noise, but from, um, from my knowledge, none of the Sony DSLR CIS support uh, charge binning due to limitation in its pixel architecture. By combining four pixels digitally, you would increase the noise variance by four and hence read noise almost doubles. Uh, the bright green pixels are phase detection pixels for the hybrid AF system. Uh, 
And uh, you can see all that in this article. The 48 megapixel quad bear IMX 510 sensor uses the 2x2 two two digital binning on it to produce a 12 megapixel bear CFA output landing field rights. Quote, so the final question is why Sony went down this design path. I came up with two possible reasons. One, Sony already has a BSI pixel design fitting this 4.2 UM pitch requirement. Uh, two by two binning is a lot faster to reach market than starting off on a new 8.4 nanometer pixel. Since most pixel design layouts are fixed, scaling the area can make multiple uh, multiple sizes of a chip. For example, IMX 411, the 461, 455, 571, and 533 are all based on the same 3.76 nanometer BSI pixel design, which each covers a different imaging circle from medium format to one inch. Two, Sony tries to emphasize the HDR video quality on the A7S III. A single pixel is limited in dynamic range, but you could read out each of the four subpixels with a different gain or exposure time and later weight combining them digitally for the final value. Such method is used on many Sony security sensors. The IMX294 and the 482 also employ a 2x2 binning BSI design. Regardless of imaging quality, the third gen has a huge improvement in readout speed due to its BSI architecture. After all, this camera is mainly aimed for cinematographers. Its all-pixel scan rate has already drastically increased from 30 frames per second to 90, and a 1080p 60, uh, let's see, no longer needs to subsampling like the IMX235. Engineering has also been a balancing act, but still, it would be great to see a single large BSI pixel without microlenses achieving SCMOS-grade quantum efficiency. Thanks, Landfield, for the great report. All right, so let's move on here. Next up, the Tamron 35 to 150, now in stock for the first time via Amazon, and pre-orders now shipping out in the U.S. and EU. This lens you can get for $1,899. Today, U.S. and EU stores started shipping out the Tamron 35 to 150 pre-orders at B&H Photo, Amazon, Adorama, Photo Koch, DE, Photo RDA, Wex UK, and Park UK. At the moment of posting this, there are a couple of lenses marked as in stock at Amazon US. So definitely the opportunity to jump on that and order that lens now before the quantities are gone, because it could take a while before they get replenished. Next up, new Sony a7 IV videos and reviews. This camera can be ordered for $2,498. Uh, let's see, in the U.S. at B&H Photo, Amazon, Adorama, Focus Camera, Bydig, in Europe at Photo Koch DE, Calumet DE, Photo Earnhardt DA, Park UK, Wex UK, Amazon DE, Amazon UK, Amazon Italy, Amazon Spain, and Amazon Netherlands. In Australia, available at Sony.com and Camera Pro. And that uh, also available are the HVLF46RM wireless radio flash at B&H Photo and Adorama, as well as the HLV or HVLF60RM2 wireless radio flash. We got a bunch of new videos and reviews from Digital Camera World writes, quote, Don't think of the A7 IV as Sony's new entry-level full-frame mirrorless camera. It's both too powerful and too complex, and yes, too expensive for that. 
It's more like a mini A1 that's terrifyingly good at everything, but less than half the price. Stills photographers can revel in its 33 megapixel resolution and incredible burst mode, while videographers get a camera that leaves the previous A7 III far behind. And there are some official YouTube videos that you can watch, uh, reviews on the Sony A7 IV that you can check out for yourself. And last up from Sony Alpha Rumors for this week, Gerald Undone reviews the new Rotolite Neo 3 and AEOS 2 LED camera lights. Now, these are uh, part of a Kickstarter campaign, and you can watch Gerald Undone's official video on his official YouTube channel, which can be found in this article in the show notes for this episode. And that's going to wrap up all the news and rumors for this week. Remember to check out the Liam Photography Podcast Facebook group. It is a private group, and you must answer a security question to join, which is the name of the host of the show, myself, Liam. And I've also opened it up to allow you to give the name of a previous guest on the show to show that you are a listener. Once you are in the group, you are free to post your own original work. I'm also the admin of the Fujifilm GFX 50R group, which is the largest group for the 50R on Facebook. If you own or plan to own the 50R, you can request to join that group, but you do have to answer two security questions to join that group. You can find my work at liamphotography.net and follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at liamphotoatl. If you like abandoned buildings and history, you can find my projects at forgottenpiecesofgeorgia.com and forgottenpiecesofpennsylvania.com. All right, that's going to wrap up episode 198 of the Liam Photography Podcast. I want to thank all of my listeners once again for subscribing, rating, and reviewing in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and anywhere else you might be getting your podcast. Also, remind you to stop by the Liam Photography YouTube channel, subscribe to the channel, watch the videos, like them, share them, comment on them, hit the little bell icon so you can be notified as new content drops. And remember, this coming Thursday's episode for November 4th is going to be my interview with the one and only Skip Cohen from Skip Cohen University. So that is another episode that you absolutely do not want to miss. Now, if you feel like donating to my GFX100S fund, you can PayPal me at liamphotoatl at iCloud.com. Just kidding. I highly doubt anybody's going to donate to a $6,000 camera fund. But, hey, it can't hurt to ask. <laughs> all right. That's going to wrap this one up. I am out of here, and I will see you all again on Thursday.